0: lives are unimportant
1: on your life my life what does
2: that look i've been uh, teaching middle school band uh, th- th- but on the weekends i you got a suit yeah maybe by then we'll know what it feels like what does it feel like
0: You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer.
1: All right, good morning, church. Uh, Good to be with you this morning as we begin part two of our series on the story of reality. If you're just joining us today, whether in person or online, we've spent the last six weeks looking at the ultimate questions of life. Questions of origin, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. We've been putting the puzzle together, which you can see behind me here. Our answers to those questions we've been saying shape our worldview. Now, today, as Rachel mentioned, we're taking a break from elementary school kids programming, so a big shout-out just from me to the elementary school kids and their family. We are glad that you're here today. A big welcome. We are so glad you're joining us today because as we begin part two of our series, we're going to be looking at worldview messages we find in movies. Now, parents, I want to encourage you, whenever you watch a movie with your children, you need to talk with them about the worldview that is presented and ask the question, is it biblical? Why? Why? or why not? And by asking those questions, you'll become a more discerning viewer. Now, the first movie we're looking at today is the Pixar film Soul. Many of you may have seen it over the last year. If you haven't seen the movie, let me just give you a brief synopsis. The storyline follows a man named Joe Gardner, a middle school band teacher who really wants to be a famous jazz musician. And in the opening scene, he gets his big break, He's walking home from his audition, and he falls in a manhole cover, and he winds up in a coma. Now, the movie then shifts to this in-between heavenly realm where Joe exists as a teal glowing blob and interacts with the personification of the universe, simply known as Jerry. This two-dimensional weird-looking thing you see on the screen there. Joe is supposed to take the escalator up to the great beyond, but instead he escapes and he winds up in a place called the great before, where he meets the character of 22, who is an unborn soul, and he is mentoring this soul. Of course, they learn much about, from each other, and the rest of the movie is about Joe, with the help of 22, trying to get back to life so he can play his, his show that he wants to get towards because he feels that music is his reason for living. Now, the movie, in many ways, is about discovering your purpose in life. And in the opening scene, we meet Joe as this disgruntled middle school teacher who is unexpectedly offered tenure, job security but he immediately gets a call from an old student who offers him an audition with a famous jazz musician named Dorothea Williams. And Joe goes to that audition, and he does so well, he's offered a spot in the band. His dream is coming true. And so our first scene takes place just after the audition. Let's watch and see how Joe reacts and what happens. Uh, Sorry,
2: I... Zoned out a little back there. <laughs> Joe Gardner, where have you been? I've been uh, teaching middle school band, uh, th- th- but on the weekends I—you got a suit? I get a suit, teach a good suit. Back here tonight, first shows at nine, sound checks at seven. We'll see how you do. Yes. Woo-hoo! Williams Hey now, you're going to get hurt. Just don't tell my mom about this. Okay? Forget class. Now, I'm in a different class. I'm in a Dorothy Williams class, buddy. You know what I'm saying? I, oh, oh, sorry. Huh. Ah!
1: Oh no! Joe got this big break, the dream of his life, and then he just falls into a manhole cover. Man, what happens to him? Well, we'll learn later in the movie that Joe is injured and he's in a coma, but his soul is transported to this imaginary in-between world known as the great beyond. Now, parents, here is the first worldview question that will come up at the beginning of the movie as you watch it with your kids. What happens to Joe? Right? Does he die? And I want to encourage you to go back and watch last week's sermon where we talked about the question of destiny, and we discussed what happens when we die. That'll give you some resources to point your kids toward a Christian worldview, but the movie itself does a a clever job of raising this topic, and it's a good jumping-off point to discussing the afterlife. However, the title, Soul, is a play on words. At one level, Joe becomes this out-of-body teal soul, but the movie also deals with soul music, as well as this important topic of purpose. So the last point gets us to another worldview question, the question of meaning. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Well, I could address a number of topics in this message today. I am going to focus in on that theme of purpose because the movie calls this your spark or the thing that lights up your life and gets you out of bed in the morning. For Joe, as you can see here, it was soul music. You saw his reaction when he got that audition. So how about you? What is the thing in your life that lights you up, that gives you a spark, a sense of excitement for living. Now, to help you interact today as you walked in, you should have received a note card and a glow stick, and you're wondering, why in the world did I get those? Well, on the note card, you will find the question, that very question, what is your spark? And as you're listening today and you're watching, I want to invite you to write or draw, if you're an artist, your favorite hobby or talent or passion. Now, it could, be, it could be ministry, it could be a sport, it could be camping, writing, hunting, you know, whatever it is, write it down, draw it on the card, and think about what, what is it that would make your glow stick light up? Now, if you break this glow stick, it will light up, but don't do that now. We're going to do that later together in the, uh, in, the, in the message. So parents, try to keep your kids from breaking the glow stick. Uh, we'll break it together. Now, the tension that many of us feel when we talk about this topic of of passion and purpose is this our passions often don't match our situation in life you know maybe we're working a job or we're going to school and they don't excite us uh, we work so hard to do the things that really excite us and give us life we we try to find our sparks our passions often don't match our situation in life you see often i think like younger people will think that you know the grass is always greener on the other side and so they they'll pass up good jobs Uh, because they're waiting for the dream job to come along, right out of college. They want to find their spark right away. But what if it's more complicated than that? What if we can still live a full life, even if we don't like our jobs, or maybe even the school that we're going to? Now, that's the same journey that Joe takes in the movie. So again, the movie opens up with Joe landing his dream opportunity, only to fall down a manhole cover and wind up in a coma. But instead of going to the great beyond, as I said, he escapes from this escalator and somehow manages to get down into another imaginary world known as the great before. And this, in the movie's, you know, world, is where souls exist before they come to earth. So let's watch and see what Joe discovers about this place.
0: give the mentor some room. Sorry, new souls. 37, that's enough. Hey, everyone, look here. Quiet
2: coyote, shh, quiet coyote. Who, who are you? I am the coming together of all quantized fields of the universe, appearing in a form your feeble human brain can comprehend. What? You can call me Jerry. Jerry, okay. Uh, hey, uh, is this heaven? <laughs> no. Is it H-E double hockey sticks?
1: Hell 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 Coyote! Help.
2: It's easy to get turned around. This isn't the Great Beyond. It's the Great Before. The Great Before? Oh, we call it the U Seminar now. Rebranding. <laughs>
1: All right, so is that how you picture us existing before we were born? <laughs> now, the movie does get creative here, but it also exposes a worldview divide for us as Christians. Uh, the movie doesn't really line up with our view of heaven and the afterlife. So again, if you missed the message last week, let me just, let me just summarize. We use this um, image of a rope, right? We said this blue part is the, is the time that we have on earth, and the rest of the rope, all this white part, which goes on and on and on and on, is eternity, Right? We said the blue part represents how long we're here on earth, and we live a whole lot longer after that. After we die, there's so much more. And if you know Jesus, you go to heaven and you live with him until he returns and makes a new heaven and a new earth. But if you don't know Jesus, you're going to live apart from him forever, and that's, and that's pretty sad. Now, the movie shows Joe getting a second chance and going back to his body, which is not what we believe. Additionally, the movie portrays this, the universe as this impersonal, two-dimensional cosmic force that binds things together, or Jerry, as you just mentioned. Interesting they chose that name. Um, now, this is a bit of an implicit, materialistic worldview embedded in the movie. So again, parents, if you're watching the movie with your kids, you want to probably talk with them about what the scriptures say about life and death. Because all of this makes for a good movie, but we must be careful to know what's real and what's imaginary. Now, on a positive note, the movie does weave this theme of purpose into a narrative about birth and life and death, because purpose, I think, is really connected with all three. I think the movie does ultimately point to the truth that the psalmist writes in Psalm 90, verse 12, where he says this, Teach us to realize the brevity of life, that we may grow in wisdom, because life is brief, We don't know how long we're going to get on this earth, and wisdom comes when we realize our days are numbered, and we should make the most of every opportunity we have here on earth. That's part of what Joe discovers at the end of the movie. Now, the movie also paints a picture of life before birth. Did we exist as these teal souls in the great before? Well, probably not, but the scriptures do speak to the creation of life. Psalm 139 famously and beautifully describes how God created us. David says this, we made all the deli- You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb." You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, I, I don't know, again, about souls existing somewhere before we, they enter our bodies, but Scripture does clearly tell us that babies in the womb are alive. God is knitting us together. We are his workmanship. And more than that, if you look at verse 16, it says, every day of our life, was recorded every moment was laid out before a single day had come to pass in other words God has a purpose for our life here on earth now this past week my wife and I went for one last ultrasound uh, of our daughter an early third trimester ultrasound and it's really amazing if you haven't done this it's amazing what they can see today you can see this is like a 3d 4d picture and she opened her eyes and winked at us on the ultrasound pretty cool In other pictures, you can see her face and her arms. She kept hiding her face. And now I have no doubt there's personality in there. The Lord is knitting her together, laying out a plan for her, a unique purpose. And the movie, I think, captures this well. It also shows that we can miss our purpose by focusing solely on ourselves. And in this respect, it agrees with Solomon when he writes in Proverbs 16.25, there is a path before each person that seems right But in, it ends in death. Sometimes we get on the wrong path, he says. So how do we discover our unique purpose in life? Well, as the movie wrestles with life and death, it it asks some profound questions. And there's one scene later in the film where 22 is talking to Joe, and she asks him this question. She says, is all this living really worth dying for? Is all this living really worth dying for? And that's a key question in the movie. And I suspect some of us today are asking that same question. Is all this living really worth dying for? And if you don't know your unique purpose in life, it might feel like it's not. So if you got your glow sticks, hold them up. Let's all try to hold them up together right now. If your glow stick in life is not lighting up, you may wonder why you're living If you want to discover your purpose in life, the movie— if you want to see the glow stick light up—you want to do three things. It challenges us in this way. First, you have to get a grasp on the good life. Second, you have to discover your your calling, and then finally, when you do those two things, you have to redefine fulfillment. So let's look at each of those in turn. First, you have to get a grasp on the good life. And what I mean by that is every one of us has a picture in our mind of what the good life is. For some of us, it involves money and more vacations. Then we've arrived. For others of us, it's about recognition and rewards. Promotions at work, honors at school, banquets. And still others of us, it's a rich family life. We all have a picture of what the good life is should be. But here's the thing. If we don't achieve the picture of the good life, it winds up giving us regrets at the end of life. And so in our next scene, Joe has been paired to mentor this unborn soul, 22. Older souls who have died are on their way to this great beyond in the movies uh, world, and they can impart their life experience to an unborn soul as they get ready to come to earth. However, Joe escaped his trip to the great beyond, and 22 thinks he's someone else, a guy named Bjorn Borgenstein. But this scene, called The Hall of Everything, exposes Joe for what he is and allows him to review his life. So let's watch and see what happens.
0: ...to present him... ...the
1: past few weeks, I've seen so many people. I'd like to thank, of
0: course. Okay, look, I'm sure your life was amazing and you did amazing things, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stand here in silence for a little bit, then we go back out, you say you tried, I go back to not living my non-life, and you go to the great B.M. No, look. Talk all you want, Bjorn. It's not gonna work. Anyway, I've had thousands of mentors who failed and now hate me. Mother Teresa. I have compassion for every soul. Except you, I don't like you. Copernicus. The world doesn't revolve around you, 22! Muhammad Ali. You are the greatest! Pan in the butt! Marie Antoinette. Nobody can help you! Nobody! Nobody! Thanks, but no thanks, Doc. I already know everything about Earth, and it's not worth the trouble. Come
2: on, don't you want to fill out your (sighs) path?
0: You know, I'm comfortable up here. I have my routine. I float in mist. I do my Sudoku puzzles. And then, like, once a week, they make me come to one of these youth seminars. It's not great, but I know what to expect.
2: Look, look, kid, I'm not. Can I just be honest with you? I'm not Bjorn Borgenstein or whatever his name is. I'm not even a mentor. Not a mentor? (laughs)
0: Ah, reverse psychology. You really are a good shrink doctor. Carl Jung already tried that.
2: Stop talking, my unconscious mind hates you. Uh, Is there any way to show a different life in this place?
0: Wait, you're really not Bjorn Borgensen? It's my life. Um, excuse me, what's going on here? Banaka breath spray? Cheap cologne?
2: Man, who curated this exhibit?
0: <laughs> you did. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness, it's Cedric's rap room. Oh. Down to the uh, no, don't look at that stuff. Let's let's look over here.
0: Ted, I don't wanna go. I don't like jazz.
2: Black improvisational music. It's one of our great contributions to American culture. At least give it a chance, Joey. This is where it all started. This is the moment where I fell in love with jazz. Listen to that. See, the tune is just an excuse to bring out the you. And that's why I became a jazz musician. That's not what we're looking for. Wait, wait, wait. That's not how I remember it going down. I mean, I... Come back when you have something. Sorry, Joe.
0: Sorry, Joe.
2: We're looking for something different.
1: So, at the end of life, what will you regret? What is your picture of the good life? See, Joe had a picture of what the good life should be. All he wanted to do was be this famous jazz musician. But when he didn't achieve that, it left him feeling empty and regretful and wanting a second chance. But did he miss what he actually accomplished in life? Well, in this scene, Joe actually sounds a lot like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon writes this book in his old age, and he laments about the fruitless pursuits he went after in life. Look at what he writes in the opening of Ecclesiastes. He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content." Now, the word meaningless there carries the idea of brevity with it. In other words, life is short, shorter than we think. It also has the idea that life contains a lack of purpose. And so Solomon here is voicing the same angst our protagonist, Joe, is experiencing, that no matter what we do, we're going to be dissatisfied in life. So if you're a kid or you're a teen here today, well, some of you right now, maybe you think school is meaningless, Right? Why do I need to know this, you say? Or maybe you think cleaning your room is meaningless, making your bed is meaningless. Mom, dad, it's just going to get messed up again. Why do I need to do that? See, instead, you'd rather be pursuing the good life, like playing video games or hanging out with friends or making TikTok videos or whatever it is that you do. We can be just like Solomon, pursuing the so-called good life. But if you keep reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon goes on to, detail what, go on to detail the ways he tried to find purpose and fulfillment in life. In other words, Solomon was looking for his spark, his reason for living, and he was left wanting. Look at what he says in chapter 2. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Look for the good things in life. But I found this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. So what did Solomon do? He tried to find purpose and fulfillment in what his culture said. What did he try? He says, I tried pleasure, the good things in life. But he was disappointed. He says, I tried wisdom, right? I tried to get more education. I tried to get more knowledge, but it left him wanting. He says, I tried, and I tried, and I tried to find meaning and purpose, but I was disappointed. What was he doing? He was trying to get a grasp on what the good life is. And so, again, I'd ask, how about you? What do you think the good life is? Because how you answer that question can seriously impact how you live And what you live for. Now, in his old age, Solomon was looking back over his life at his own hall of everything, and he was asking, What was it all for? Was all this living really worth dying for? And this is what Solomon says in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anymore. See, he says, I worked hard, but it wasn't worth it. And that's the same tension, again, that Joe is feeling in this scene. And this is the tension so many of us feel or will feel. And this is why worldview is important, because how we answer the question about the good life affects how we live. Now, the Christian worldview says something different. Because if you fast forward to the New Testament, we find in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus giving his very famous Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew. And he opens his sermon with something called the Beatitudes. And in this section of Scripture, he lays out a picture for our reason for living. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Now notice, these first three verses are all about our relationship with God himself. It's all about us being poor in spirit, mourning and being humble. And the point is that if you want to know your reason for living, you must know your need for God. You must know your need for God. And once you know God, and you love him, your actions on earth will change. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6. He says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, notice the shift in focus here. Once you know God, once your heart is changed, you are welcomed into his kingdom, and then you bring his kingdom to earth. So, you will become someone who pursues justice, who shows mercy who brings peace, who does what is right. In other words, you will become others-focused. Now, if I come back to kids and teens for a second, maybe you think the good life is about video games or social media or text messages. But what if it's more? What if the good life, as defined in the Bible, really is about being others-focused? So cleaning your room helps your mom and dad. Maybe there's a neighbor who needs help with their yard or a friend who needs help with their homework. That's others-focused, and that is a key part of the true good life. So church, this is what the good life is about. It's about loving God and loving others. And the reason we miss out on that good life is that we're too focused on ourselves. We need to look up and look out because if you only look in, you miss a whole wide world of meaning and purpose. And again, truthfully, that was Joe's problem. All he wanted to do was get back into his body so he can play his show. Sometimes we do crazy things to achieve our version of the good life. And in the next scene, Joe and 22 go to great lengths to achieve this. Watch what happens.
2: I did it! I did it! I'm back! <laughs> what the? No. No. No, 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 I'm in the cat? Wait a minute. If I'm in here, then who? Uh, what? You're in my body! Wait, You're wait, wait. In the That's cat? That's my body. I'm in a body? Why are you no. in a body? I don't want to be a cat. Mm-hmm. I hate cats. Oh, that moving guy, he messed this up. Doc, you got to help me. That's my body, but I'm trapped. Oh, no. They can't understand me. They think you're me. you got to try. <clears throat> um, Miss Doctor, we have a problem. I'm an unborn soul, and I want to stay at the youth seminar.
1: Yes, but that drug doesn't seem to be working at all.
2: No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm not Mr. Shh. Gardner. I'm They're not. I think you're nuts. I mean, that I'm nuts. Oh, how did this happen? I fell into your body because it doesn't have a soul. Then why am I in a cat? I don't
1: know. Is there anyone we can call, Mr. Gardner? A next of kin or friend? Tell her no. Uh,
2: no. Can you tell me what day it is?
0: It's the worst day of my life. I don't want to be here. I hate Earth. Tell you what. We're going to keep you here for observation. Just for a bit. Perhaps our therapy cat
2: can go to his next appointment. Okay, okay. You gotta talk to her. (sighs) Okay.
0: Ms. Doctor, this body's soul is in this cat. Stop talking. So naturally he wants to stay close. Uh, keep the cat. Just get some rest. A lot of it, okay? I'll come get Mr. Mittens in
2: ten minutes. Ten minutes? We gotta get out of here.
0: No way! I am not moving! I can't believe I'm in a body on this hellish planet. Have bendy meat sticks! I can feel myself feeling myself! Hey!
2: Focus. Listen to me. We got to get out of here before they take me away.
0: Take you away? You're going to leave me? No way.
2: That's my body you're in. Oh, okay. Do you think you can walk?
0: I don't know. I failed body test drive like 436 times.
2: But will you try? Okay. Got to find Moonwind. He can fix this. I'm a cat. I can make this.
1: So again, in the movie's world, somehow 22 winds up in Joe's body and Joe winds up in the cat. And the reason for this is all Joe could think about was playing music and his show, and it landed him in a cat. Is that what you want for your life? He was obsessed with his vision of the good life. It was his problem. What is the good life? Because your answer to that may be distracting you from your purpose. It may be keeping you from finding Your spark, hold up those glow sticks again, right? What is your spark? Because once you examine the good life to find out what it truly is, then you have to work to, secondly, discover your calling. Discover your calling. Now, sometimes we do crazy things to achieve the good life, like getting inside a cat, right? But at the beginning of the message, we talked about this tension that we have, where sometimes our passions don't match our situation in life. And we want our passions to always, uh, and, and we always want our passions and our work to line up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what if they're not mutually exclusive? So, so recently I came across a national survey from 2016, five years ago, in which 18 to 24 year olds at the time reported that having a clear purpose in life is a big part of being a real adult. Now, the problem is most young people don't feel like this survey found, feel like they have a sense of purpose. More than 86% of young adults say, said that making decisions in, li- in, decisions in line with their purpose is what makes them an adult, according to the survey. But only 43% said they have a clear picture of what they want in life, 36% say their career path currently aligns with their life purpose, and only 30% know why they are here. Now, that's an interesting statistic, but I asked myself, what if we have a warped view of purpose? So a number of years ago, I read a book on God's will, the best book I've read on God's will, by a guy named Kevin DeYoung, and the book's title was this, Just Do Something, The subtitle is even better. It's how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc., etc., etc. In other words, sometimes we make this way too complicated. And the book dealt with a generational divide on meaning and purpose between older and younger generations. So Kevin DeYoung said, my grandfather's generation, well, they just focused on finding, the, they didn't focus on finding the right job. They just went to work, they provided for and loved their family, and that was it. Now, younger generations were so focused, he says, on finding the right job or marrying just the right person that it paralyzes you from making decisions. And his antidote was this. As long as it's not immoral, just do something. Sometimes you just have to go to school. We are too influenced by the culture's concept of purpose. And this, again, is Joe's problem. He thinks the only way he can have purpose is not by teaching middle school band, but by being a famous jazz musician. And it's captured in this scene where he confronts his mother about how she's been treating him. Watch this. So much for
2: being done chasing after gigs, huh? I hope that cat isn't supposed to be some kind of peace offering. Come, come on. Just say you rescued it. Um, no, it's
0: mine. I rescued it.
2: Hmm. Too bad you can't rescue your career.
0: Oh,
2: (sighs) just ask her nicely if she can fix my suit.
0: So, mom, is there any way you can fix this? What? I don't need to see that. I know. Embarrassing, right? So, you'll fix it? No. What? What? How long are you going to keep doing
2: this, Joey? You tell me you're going to accept the full-time position, then instead I hear you've taken another gig. Tell her that this one is different. This one's different! Does this gig have a pension? Health insurance? No. Then it's the same as the other ones. It's like you can't even be truthful with me anymore. Fine, we'll get the suit off the rack somewhere. My mom has never understood what I'm trying to do with my life.
0: Fine, we'll get a suit <gasps> off the rack somewhere. My mom has never understood what I'm trying to do with my life. 22!
2: What did you just
0: say? Ooh, can I run away now like you usually do?
2: No, not this time. Repeat after me. Mom, I know we've had some rough times. But you're right. I can't be truthful with you. Because it seems like no matter what I do, you disapprove. Look, I know you love playing. Then how come except for church, you're the happiest when I don't? I finally land the gig of my life and you're upset. You didn't see how tough being a musician was on your father. I don't want to see you struggle like that. So dad could pursue his dreams and I can't? Your father had me. Most times, this shop is what paid the bills. So when I'm gone, Who's going to pay yours? Music is all I think about. From the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I fall asleep at night. You can't eat dreams for breakfast, Joey. Then I don't want to eat. This isn't about my career, Mom. It's, it's my reason for living. And I know Dad felt the same way. I'm just afraid that if I died today, that my life would have amounted to nothing.
1: Joey. If I died today, then my life would have amounted to nothing. Music is my reason for living. Now, having dreams is a good thing. Speaking up for yourself is a good thing. But I think what we can see in the Christian worldview is that being others-focused is the best thing. And when you're so focused on yourself and not others, you may be missing the boat on purpose. And I think that's what Joe was doing. Now, there's a scene a little bit earlier in the movie at a barber shop where Joe goes to get his haircut. However, 22 is in Joe's body, as you noticed here, and she's talking with his barber friend, a guy named Dez. Now, she asks him all about his life, and Joe, in turn, learns a lot about Dez. And so after, as they're leaving, Joe asks the barber, Why he never shared about his life before. And this is how Des responds. He says, you never asked. You only wanted to talk about music. See, the world's view of purpose and meaning is very self-focused. Now, by contrast, the Christian view of calling and purpose is much more others-focused. Yes, God has given each of us a unique gift. But the purpose of that gift is for building up the body of Christ and serving the community. The Christian view of calling is about sacrifice and often involves hardship. Look at what Jesus says, again, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. He says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Wow. Wow. So you're saying that part of the Christian calling, part of our purpose on this earth is to experience persecution? Seems to be what Jesus is saying, because the Christian worldview will not always be popular. Can you see how that clashes with the cultural worldview of happiness as purpose? But Jesus goes even further. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, "You are the salt of the earth." But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, the phrase, the salt of the earth, is actually a statement of fact, right? So what Jesus is not doing here is he's not commanding his followers to be something they're not. Instead, he is urging them to be what they are, kingdom people. In other words, he's telling them to live out their true purpose on this earth, and this is in the context of persecution. So, author Sinclair Ferguson makes this observation. He says, like salt, Christians may seem small and insignificant, powerless in a power mad society, yet they have the ability to influence every segment of it and permeate it as a whole. So, salt in the ancient world acted as a vital preservative for food. And the point Jesus is making is this, Christian, your purpose in life is to have a preserving effect on society, infiltrate society, every area that you influence and help it flourish. In other words, the presence of God's people in society should increase the flavor of life to those around us. In this way, our purpose and calling is others-focused. We are to bring the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to those we influence, no matter where we work, live, or play. That's our calling. Love God and love others. But Joe is so focused on himself that he missed the impact he had on others. And if you watch the movie, throughout the film, over and over again, we see Joe interacting with his music students. And every one of them tells him the impact he had on their lives. Because what Joe missed is this. He changed more lives by teaching people to love music than he ever could have by simply playing music. So once you define the good life, you can discover your calling. But there's more. After you've discovered your calling, you got to put those first two points together and take a final step, and that is to redefine fulfillment. Because at the end of our lives, we want to know we made a difference. We want to know we mattered. We want to feel fulfilled. However, if we have a misguided view of the good life and our calling, we will end life feeling unfulfilled. Now, towards the end of the movie, Joe does make it back into his body, and he gets to his jazz performance, and he plays the piano masterfully. He receives a standing ovation, but once it's done, Joe experiences something many of us experience in life. Watch this scene.
0: Welcome to the quartet, Teach. That's my Joey. That's so good. That, cool.
2: that, that was amazing. amazing. I'm just gonna come to that bridge for Woo. you again. Later, <laughs> Mr. G. Congratulations. You did great. I'm so proud of you, Joey. Gotta get to bed. We old. <laughs> <laughs> you play a hundred shows and one of them is killer. You don't give many like tonight. Yeah. So, uh, what happens next? We come back tomorrow night and do it all again. What's wrong, Teach? It's just, I've been waiting on this day for my entire life. Is I thought I'd feel different. I heard this story about a fish. He swims up to this older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, says the older fish. That's what you are in right now. This, says the young fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. See you tomorrow.
1: This is water. What I want is the ocean. It's an interesting parable. But don't miss what Joe said. I thought I'd feel different. And that scene is about Joe realizing there's more to life than his music. Have you ever experienced that? You bought into the world's definition of success and achievement, you got all the way to the top of your field. You should feel fulfilled, but you don't. You thought you found your spark, but there was no fire. What do you do with that? Well, perhaps, and this is just what I suspect, perhaps we haven't found the true reason for living. Perhaps the thing we thought was our spark wasn't our reason for living. Because you see, for centuries, people have been trying to find this elusive spark, You know, Greeks, when the Greek culture rose to prominence, uh, their way of thinking followed it. And all the Greek philosophers were looking for this thing called the reason for life itself. The logos, that was the Greek word that was used. And it's where we get our English word logic from. It meant reason. And this concept that the Greeks were pursuing was the reason for life. Greeks relied on knowledge... But after searching and searching and searching for centuries, their intellect failed them. And everything uh, went towards pursuing pleasure and possessions. Why? Because they realized that reason couldn't answer their questions about meaning. So they stopped pursuing it. And then when we get to the first century A.D., people were saying, much like a lot of people are saying today, there's no reason for living. Just do whatever you want. And in the lack of their reason the gospel writer John comes on and writes these words. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, if you take notice of that word, word, you'll notice it is the Greek word, logos, the reason for life. And it was the very thing the Greeks had been searching for. But they made a huge mistake because they didn't realize that the logos was not a concept, it was a person. So don't miss this. At a time when it seemed there was no meaning, there was no reason for living, the reason himself came to earth. In the beginning, John says, was the reason for living. Jesus Christ was with God. Jesus Christ is God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In other words, Jesus is the spark that sets our hearts on fire. And in his kingdom, fulfillment is upside down. If you want to find meaning, sacrifice. If you want to find fulfillment, don't get people to serve you, serve others. Without Jesus, the Bible tells us, we're dead. He makes us come alive. So take out your glow sticks if you haven't already. And I know you've wanted to break them for the whole whole message here. But I want you to take them out and think about this. Is all this living worth dying for? Jesus answered that question, yes. Yes. He died for us so we could have life. He died for us so we could be raised to life and so we could experience the same thing. And when we surrender our lives to him, when we die to ourselves, the glow stick breaks. So now you can break it if you didn't already. Break that glow stick, get it to crack all up and down, and you can take it out then and see that the glow stick has lit up. New life begins. No matter where you work, or where your gifts are, if you know Jesus, you can live for him and find purpose. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, when Jesus saves you and the Holy Spirit enters your heart, you have a spark for all the world to see. You are the light of the world. So let your good deeds shine so that people know there's something different about you. You love God and you love people around you. That is your reason for living. Jesus is the spark that set a movement on fire 2,000 years ago and burns bright to this day. He is the spark that the world needs. He offers purpose, a reason for living in today's world. And church, there are many lost souls out there who need him. So in this movie, Joe Gardner's spark was music. But see this, see, his reason for living was teaching. That was what made him have an impact And at the end of the movie, there's this beautiful scene where Joe is sitting at his piano, he's playing music, and as he does, we see a montage of images showing Joe interacting with people that he's impacted. And the message of the movie seems to be you got to use your spark to show people their reason for living. Why? Because there's so many lost souls out there. But we have something greater And so, as we finish today, I want to remind all of us kids, teens, adults there are many people who have not experienced the spark that new life in Jesus offers. Perhaps you've been captured by a false worldview. Perhaps you're a Christian who's lost touch with Him. If you want to truly live, you need to be in touch with the one who offers life. So, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on stage. There's one final song we're going to sing. And as they come, I'd invite you again, let's just hold up the glow sticks nice and high, and I also want you to hold up your cards. And this week I wanna challenge you to do two things. First, on the card, hopefully you've recognized what you're good at and what you're interested in. And then secondly, the glow stick should be a reminder that you can use these experiences, these interests, to build relationships with and influence others. And as you do, let your light shine. This week you need to be a light in someone's life. Point them to the true light of the world who doesn't just save us, but gives us our reason for living. And living for him is worth dying for. So let me leave you with these beautiful words from from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, "'But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession.'" As a result, you and I can show the goodness of God to others, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll sing in response. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and for Jesus who came and died for us on the cross, was raised to life so that our hearts could be set on fire, so that we could have new life, so there could be a spark that was not there before. Help us never to take our eyes off of that, Lord Jesus, and help us to be your light. And may our good deeds and our love for others show who you are and point people to you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.